Our scripture reading comes from Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 through 20. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Word of the Lord. The Lord be with you. Please pray with me. Holy God, we thank you for gathering us together on this day that you have made. Now in this time, open our hearts to your will and your word. And let the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, our rock and redeemer. Amen. So when I was in high school, one of the things that really helped me out was this website called SparkNotes, which some of you seem to be familiar with. <laughs> what was so great about SparkNotes is that it would basically summarize a book for you. It would give you short summaries for each chapter, provide some analysis, and tell you other important pieces of, pieces of information that you probably needed to know. It definitely wasn't perfect, and it of course would have been better just to read the entire book. Uh, but even if you did, a concise summary can still be a lot of help by pointing out or giving reminders of the themes that were running throughout the book, and that can make parts of the story easier to understand or to remember. Our text this week in the narrative lectionary gives us one of these SparkNotes-esque summaries. Coming off the heels of the Easter Sunday story and what we heard last week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, who first saw the empty tomb and the resurrected Jesus, have run back, I'm assuming in a full-on sprint, to tell the disciples what they saw and the message that Jesus gave them. And today we see the disciples meeting Jesus after his crucifixion and resurrection and hearing what he has to say. Now our passage this morning is what is often known as the Great Commission. And we only see this in this gospel. All of the gospels have a story of someone having an interaction with an angel and or Jesus and what we see in Mark is similar to the beginning of this chapter in Matthew but in Luke and John we get very different stories and and even though each gospel has a story here there isn't a lot of consistency between them the details and the dialogue that we are given in the 
in our Bibles are what the gospel writers wanted to include. And we can learn a lot about the message of the book and the things that are important to the author from this. To start off, one of those important things is that the disciples meet Jesus on a mountain. As someone writing with great knowledge of the Old Testament, Matthew uses this Old Testament imagery of a mountain as a place for revelation. And throughout his gospel, he uses it to mark significant moments in Jesus' life. For example, with the Sermon on the Mount, in chapter five, the first verse says, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain. And this mountain is where the entire rest of the Sermon on the Mount takes place. We also see later that Jesus is on a mountain praying before he walks on water in front of his disciples. And even later in chapter 17, Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up a high mountain right before the transfiguration where those three disciples hear the words, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So again, mountains are important in this book and we see, that, we see them at important moments in the beginning, middle, and end of Matthew. But mountains certainly aren't the only thing that show up in different parts of this gospel. And I think it's important before getting to another reoccurring theme to talk about commissioning, which is what these verses are often associated with. In verses 19 and 20, Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. If we take Jesus' words on the surface, he is telling the disciples to go and baptize and teach people in the name of the Trinity in other places of the world. And that, I think, would fit with what I and probably most people uh, think of when hearing the word commissioning or the phrase being commissioned. When I think of commissioning, what usually comes to mind is this act of being sent, of going elsewhere to do the work of Jesus. And I think that would be in line with what with Jesus' own example, as he in his own ministry traveled to different parts of the world to do his work. Thinking about commissioning or calling can remind us of stories like Jonah, who was sent far, far away from where he was to where he was supposed to go, or maybe of someone like Paul, who similar to Jesus, traveled to many different places. However, the thing about thinking of commissioning in that way is that it overlooks a small but very important detail in these verses. Jesus' words say to go and to make disciples of all nations. And that includes the ones that we are in. 
One scholar, uh, Stanley Saunders, asks a rhetorical question that gets to this point. And in the context of when Jesus said this, he asks if the mission to all nations suggests the end of the mission to Israel in favor of a predominantly or exclusively Gentile mission. To which his answer is no, it does not. And he adds that there is no evidence to support that this call to go to all nations excludes Israel with whom God has a covenant. This is all to say that sometimes the places that we are commissioned to are the ones where we already are. And while that may not be as glamorous as going all over the world, it is just as much a part of the kingdom work as anything else. So I uh, have talked a bit about commissioning and now we can get to the other recurring theme that I wanted to touch on that shows up in these verses. And that would be that Jesus is always with us. I know that sounds obvious, but what makes it um, such a powerful truth is that you don't really need to read between the lines to see that in Matthew's gospel. The places that it shows up aren't part of parables that we need to decipher, thankfully, and it's pretty clearly laid out. If we go all the way back to the first chapter and the story of Jesus, of Jesus' birth, we see in Matthew 1.23, it says, look, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and they shall name him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So this gospel tells us from the very beginning through one of the names for Jesus that he is with us. Later on in chapter 14, we see this again when Jesus walks on water. After Peter is called out on the water and starts to walk before noticing the wind and beginning to sink, Jesus reaches out his hand and saves him from drowning. And after saving Peter, Jesus says to him, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? Jesus here does acknowledge, does acknowledge Peter's doubt, but this story shows us that even in the moments when our faith may feel small, and we might have doubts that Jesus is there and will save us from drowning. And as we heard from our reading today, we also see this at the end of Matthew. With the very last words of this gospel, as he is giving his disciples this charge, Jesus says, behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So from the meaning of his name to what he says and does, Jesus shows that he is with us and wherever we are sent, that will always be the case. And I want to add that it's important to not just talk about where we are sent and why, but also how we are feeling in those moments. When we talk about commissioning, I think there is a general understanding that the person or the people that are being commissioned are willing to do it and have accepted that call. 
And usually there can be this assumption that those who are commissioned are rock solid in their convictions and in what they have to do. Even if that might be true some or even most of the time, these verses here give us a very important reminder that it is not just the people who have unwavering confidence or belief that were commissioned, but also the ones who had doubts. Verse 17 tells us that when the disciples saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some doubted. The next verses say that Jesus commissioned all of the disciples, and this includes, again, the ones that doubted. This passage does not say that Jesus then talked to and commissions only the ones that didn't have doubts, because if it was written that way, then I think it's entirely possible that Jesus wouldn't have been able to talk to any of his disciples. We know that Peter had doubts from this story in chapter 14, and even if it isn't as dramatic as Peter's example, the other disciples probably all had doubts at one point or another. But maybe that is why Jesus sent them. To show people that you can have, you can have doubts and still be doing the work of Jesus. In all this talk about having doubts and still being sent, it's hard for me to not think about how this applies to my own life. Being in seminary, the topic of call or where God is sending me comes up pretty often and I, I would say that I think it comes up maybe a little too often. I don't know about all of you, but I can only answer big existential questions about where I think the rest of my life is going to look like so many times in one year. Sometimes when I am asked questions like that, my answer honestly depends on how I'm feeling that day. And other times I just try to remember what the last, uh, what my last answer was to that question and just try to repeat that. But regardless, most of the time, it is extremely hard to say that I don't know, or that I still feel like God is sending me, but I have some doubts too. There was a time that was not that long ago when I thought that doubt was something that uh, a person grew out of. And I thought it would be one of those things that wouldn't really be a part of my life anymore when I got older, like, you know, maybe my early or mid-30s. And I thought that until my doubts were gone, that God wouldn't be able to use me. However, passages like this have helped me to become much more comfortable with my doubts coexisting with still feeling sent to work for Jesus. On a day like today, which is my last day serving as an intern here at Graceway, I uh, want to say that I'm grateful to you all as part of this congregation 
for all the ways that you have helped me to grow and refine my sense of call. Over this past year, I have learned a lot, and I am very, very grateful for this experience. But as much as I feel like I have grown this year, I have to admit that doubts are still a part of my life. And as I go through the rest of my time in seminary and beyond, those doubts could very easily look different and there could be parts of them that stick with me for a long time. But what I take great comfort in is that I am not doing this on my own. And in whatever doubts you may be wrestling with, you are not alone in this either. Jesus, who has proven it time and time again, is always with us. Whether we are in situations like Peter, who started to believe before doubts crept in and Jesus had to come and save him from drowning, or whether we are like the disciples here who are entering this new stage of life and aren't sure what's coming next, Jesus is with us. And Jesus being with us reminds us that we are not working for ourselves or in our own names, but in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mentioned uh, at the beginning that these verses are, uh, from Matthew are a kind of summary that contain some of the most important themes repeated in this gospel. And now, in true SparkNotes fashion, here is my attempt at paraphrasing this summary. In Matthew, mountains are places of revelation that come from an Old Testament tradition. It was on a mountain where Jesus having been raised from the dead, met his disciples to give them this commission. A commission that reminded them and one that reminds us that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth to send all people, even if they have doubts, to work in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And in this commission, Jesus once again reminds us that wherever we may be, physically, emotionally, or spiritually on this journey, that he is with us to the end of the age. Please pray with me. Good and gracious God, we thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for our sins. We thank you for his life and for his resurrection and for this commission that you have given us through him, which calls us to do your work in your name. For all these things and for so many more, we are thankful to you, God. And in your son's name we pray. Amen.